The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. guest today is Matilda Russett, also known as Lady Muse. Her desire is to go beyond trend and bypass the seasonally imposed routines of the designer label market by offering a selection of styles that will inspire women to define who they are not based on what they are supposed to be or by how much they consume, but rather based on what empowers them to feel and look good, thus using fashion as a medium to inspire them to make conscious choices for themselves and awaken to the greater reality of who they really are. This visual and poetic aspect of Lady Muse is as important and present as the garments themselves. Lady Muse joins me today in the studio on In Discussion. Matilda Rossett, welcome to the program today. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Hi, David. As with all my programs... I am going to ask you for our listeners to give us a narrative about your life and where you come from so that they can understand how you have reached where you are today. Can you talk a bit about your childhood so that we can build up a picture? I was born in the Alps, in the French Alps, and I grew up in a little village called Morzin, a ski resort. I grew up picking up blueberries, climbing trees, making cabins in the woods. I also grew up in a mountain family and I always felt a little misplaced. I felt like I was the ugly duckling, different. So I felt lonely all along my childhood. I, my only friend really was nature and I really connected deeply with nature. My dogs, the animals, the flowers, talking to the flowers, talking to the insects, making stories in my head, looking at the clouds and making stories with the clouds. That's how I grew up. That's what I remember. That's what I like to remember. How did that place you in the community? What was your relationship with your parents while you were in this, what I I'm reading as a special world. I uh, 
was not really heard. I don't think my parents really related to me and could understand me. I was someone that asked questions constantly. I was curious. Everything interested me. And they didn't understand why. They didn't know what to say to me. So it's true that I was kind of pushed in a special world really, really early. That was my sanctuary. And it feel like without even realizing I w all the question I was asking, uh, I was answered in some ways. I realized that much later in my life, and I went back to this much later in my life. How would you, before we proceed to your later life and your work as a designer, define the difference between this ordinary world that we have and that special world that you clearly found yourself in as a child? I never related to this world. And I think I was a very difficult child for my parents because I was stubborn. I was contradicting them constantly because I didn't agree. I could see the hypocrisy. I could see the lies and I had to open my mouth. So it's been very traumatic for me. And it took me a long time to come back from all of those experiences. And I was different, I was very creative, and I already had my little styles. And coming from a little village in the Alps, I was, it was not received properly, and I didn't understand why. So I was very reactive. I was very angry, very angry teenager, very reactive. And I, you know, it created a lot of hurt for myself. I grew up being judged constantly, and it took me a while to go through it. And it's true that the only place I would take refuge was on a special world. I would say that music saved, saved my life as a teenager. It really did. And I would time travel without realizing it. It's uh, always been difficult for me to stay in this world. And it's never been difficult for me to be in the special world. I would love to stay all the time in the special world. And my longing is to help bring the special world to this world. With your line of designs and we're jumping ahead and we may jump back mm -hmm. when did you realize that key to a world with clothing mm -hmm. and design that could unlock your mind and release you from that pain as a youngster and be able to c celebrate something provide something to people that would also unlock them in their lives I discovered that I could design clothes when I came in this country, that I could do it, even though I didn't learn, I didn't go to school for it. The great thing about this country, about America, is that everything is possible. After I had my children, I decided to do what I always wanted to do when I was a teenager. I wanted to be a fashion designer, but I didn't have the opportunities or the right to be this. Does anybody? I have many friends who I grew up with who elected to not take film and photography, but they became designers. And they often say to me now, living in London and Paris, I don't know whether I'm a designer or not. It's what I chose. How can we define ourselves or anybody as anything in particular? We just do what we do and, and should we be labeling ourselves? Do what we love. Is that yes. not enough? Yes, ultimately. I mean, ultimately, we come back to what we love. And I wish this for everybody. 
you know, and I'm glad I came back, you know, I came to what I love to do. I always loved to dress up for me when I was a teenager, when I discovered on like, you know, early teenagehood, 12, 13 year old, the, the, the joy of dressing up for myself. It was, I, I created my, my personal story dressing up. And I didn't really realize this until I became a, a designer. And that's the, you know, becoming a designer helped me reclaim who I am and uh, made me go back to my teenagehood and heal and realize how the way I dress up in the morning is really, you know, always helped me to, to, to define on which mood I am, how I feel, you know, how I vibrate. Uh, you know, one day I might dress up in black and, and, and feel aligned with myself. One day I might want to put black, but it doesn't vibrate with me, so I will have to change. And it's always been a very profound, even, you know, even spiritual experience to dress up, an intimate experience. Let me ask you this. You grew up in an area that I've visited on many occasions. I take that back. I have visited on several occasions. The beauty is outstanding. And you grew up in nature. What is it that you learnt looking back in retrospect that you gained from nature with all its moods and its colors and its vibrations that you could infuse into your designs as much as nature changes your perspective and your mood and your being were you taking from nature in the way that clothing could change people's feelings, their outlook, their way of approaching other people, their way of approaching lives, everything around them. I think I learn everything from nature. I don't think I learn anything from people. I think if I'm alive, it's because of nature. You know, I mean, a rainy day would connect me to, to my sadness and would give voice to my sadness. A sunny day would connect me to my joy and give voice to my joy. The spring would be, you know, just like rebirth and the fall in the Alps, you know, the fog in November would be a very difficult, dark time. But, you know, when I grew up, you know, growing up, I realized it's a very important time, too. So I learned to to live with the seasons and to slowly understand how as human we're connected to the seasons and how every moment in the year is important and we can use every moment to grow and evolve and, and learn more about ourselves. Instead to go against it, we can embrace it. I mean, November on the fog, well, it's a time to go within and, and to, feel, to feel what wants to be changed. You know, I think we are creative beings. We are learning everything from our mother nature and from our soul and our connection to spirit. And the more we listen, the more we will be, you know, fulfilled. And dressing up, like, you know, like writing, like everything. It's a way of expressing who we are and a way of discovering who we are, what we, what we love, what, uh, what resonates with us, what, what we want to express, what, the sto what story we have to say today, tomorrow. I mean, we don't know. We can only discover it in a moment. 
And it helps, you know, it's another opportunity for us to connect to the now and to be present. What took you from Europe into the United States? Not on a personal level, but what was it that provided an invitation to this country that is so clearly, as with me from England, very different, a different culture? Was there anything in particular in the character and the makeup of this country that beyond the opportunities that you talked about before resonated with you? Well, uh, I don't think it's America that attracted me. I think it's California. I think it's the wild spirit of California. It's the opportunity to be, to express oneself, uh, the possibilities, yeah, the spirit, the, the history of what happened here in California that attracted me. And the sun, of course, and the nature and the Native American. I have to say the West, uh, I mean, I've been called, I felt the call to connect to, to the land here, to the spirit. I've been always been fascinated when I was a child. So um, this is what attracted me here. And you know, the new world, the, being free from the history, from the past, starting again. Let's talk now about Lady Muse. And before I ask you to define more the products, the jewelry, the coats, etc. What is Lady Muse saying to us? Lady Muse, she lives within all of us. For me, she's Sophia, you know, the wisdom, the love, the nurturing, the feminine, the sensuality, the sensitivity, the vulnerability, the strength in all of this. What she's saying is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote a, a little poetry that came to me. Within your soul, a voice is calling. Can you hear it? It's the voice of your truth, your beauty, your sensuality. There to listen, there to feel, there to be. The time has come. So this is what Lady Muse asks from us, uh, to, to connect to, to the child within to the little girl, and I'm going to design for men too, so to the little boy, to what was the impulse that made us come to this world. What did we come to the world with? What are we here for? Because we, all, we are only here for something and to make this world more beautiful. And Lady Muse is just like a mother patiently waiting for us to be ready to, 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 to find our essence and to share it with the world. Let me ask you about the clothing at this stage. You have this very elegant, well-cut coat that I've seen that is as applicable to men as it is women. What are those coats defining in terms of an era, perhaps? Are you attempting to take people back to something or perhaps taking people forward to something in the way that they wear these garments? I am tending to help people travel within time. It can be back or forward or, or now. I think it's very important for us to, to go back in the past and, and review it and, and take, extract the positive, the beauty that has been created and expressed by human beings in the past. So we can bring it in our present and, and create our future like this. 
And um, I wanted to extract a line, a, a design that came back through the centuries and, and take the line. So the coat, I mean, this kind of coat I've been worn during Renaissance. I mean, it connects to Renaissance. It connects to um, the 1800s. It connects mm -hmm. even to to this country, to to civil war. It connects to the Mao. It connects to the Raj of India. It 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 connects to the fairy tale. It connects to the to the little prince. It connects to this this shape, this garment, this cloak that for me is connected to to the to our grace to to our sovereignty and um, this is what i wanted to bring this is i wanted this code for me first <laughs> and i know i know and I, I knew in my heart that you know all of us somehow we we will we relate to this we relate to this power shape that make us you know, could make us feel great and could magically clear up everything that, you know, we don't like about us and activate what we really love about us and amplify it. So I, you know, I put a lot of magic, I put a lot of love and um, dedication in this quote. And this is my intention. My intention with this quote is that people, when they wear it, they can feel how magnificent they are and why we are created, who we are, and we are an embodiment. We are here to be embodiment of source. We need, we deserve to honor ourselves. And this is not ego. When you sell these coats, and I understand that you are now immersing yourself in our great interactive online store paradigm so that you provide a, a greater reach for your customers, but when you're standing in front of somebody, how do you sell it to them? Do you look at them and anticipate how and where they're going to wear it? Do you look at them, look inside of them, look at their eyes and form in your own mind which coat they should have and for what event they should wear it for? How does that work in the way that you actually market it and sell it to people? I look at their heart. I connect to their heart. And my intention is to trigger their heart and the magic within themselves. So I guide them. Actually, in general, I mean, everybody goes to one quote in particular. And I try to convince them to try several designs, several type of fabrics. Um, because we, we, you know, we never know. We never know. They might go for one at first and by living with, uh, with another, another coat. And I give them this opportunity to, to travel, you know, to dress up, to play, to feel the difference, the different energy, you know, the different story, the different part of themselves that is attached to each one of the coats. After this, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not thinking where they're going to wear it. I hope they're going to wear it everywhere. You know, it can be very dressed up. It can be very casual. It's for me, it's all about, you know, be creative with it and make it your own and wear it the way you want. Create your personal mythology, uh, play, 
play, play, play. We need to play. I want them to play. I don't profess to really understand the industry, which is an absolute disgrace considering when I worked in London, I was very involved in it. But may we talk to the way that the main fashion houses work and perceive the world that we live in. And in that, I will cite what I've seen in magazines like Vogue. And of course, we have the the English magazines as well, which uh, to an extent have a different uh, a cultural factor to them. But across the board, I've noticed that clothing intends to bring out the anger in particularly the younger set, younger people. When you see this magnificent photography in magazines like Vogue and Options in the UK, they photograph, first of all, when I look at it, I, I always think to myself, it's not showing off the garment very well itself. It's more showing the anger uh, in the, the model that's wearing it. Would you agree with that? Is there something wrong with that position where they're almost suggesting that you have to be on the offensive when you wear clothing this day, uh, today, that it, it should in somehow be empowering you to push up against everything and, and wear that anger on your sleeve? Well, first of all, I think we're an ego-worshipping society and everything in the fashion business is promoting this. And I'm so against this. It's... It used to make me so mad and so sad, so sad. I cannot open the fashion magazine anymore. I'm actually receiving them and I can't even open them. I give them away. I think it's criminal what's happening, to tell you the truth. The message that is sent to the youth through all those magazines is plain criminal. It's, it's a dictature. I mean, the fashion become a dictature. It's all about this is the way you should be if you want to be loved and accepted. Uh, it's all about, um, the message we send to the youth is basically just pretend, you know, hide, hide behind. We don't want to know who you are inside. We just want to see what we expect you to be. So we are basically sending the message to the youth that this is the way to be, to become sheep, to become a product, a consumer, to we dictate what is supposed to be. And they are robbing the use of any sense of self. The anger, the, the sadness, I mean, the models that are used, I mean, they don't even have the right to, to smile. It's all about sending this image, this representation of dullness. I don't know if you can say that. And sadness and shallowness. And even the feminine, the femininity is taken away. Those models are so skinny. They don't have form anymore. So what are they trying to do here? It seems that they, they want to, do we say, asexualize us? I mean, to make us just become androgen and have no, not be woman anymore. I mean, they're taking, they, it seems like they want to take everything away from our humanity. And I, it's not even graceful. I mean, when I see fashion out there right now, I'm shocked. It's not, it's not beautiful. It's sad. I could draw a line in the sand. I love using that. I could go back to the late 1800s, to the suffragettes, but, but more recently in the last 30 years, is that indicative of the woman about town who wants this independence? 
almost wants to adopt the character of a man. Is that what the fashion industry is still trying to attempt to do, to, to create that strength of position with the woman and the clothes that they wear? I think it's like everything, everything is controlled and manipulated by behind, you know, from behind the scene. And I think the, the feminine qualities since centuries, I mean, everything has been done to plainly destroy it. You know, we can go back to inquisitions and everything that has been done to women. So everything has been done for, for, for this to happen. So yes, I mean, since the eighties, I mean, I mean, women are becoming men. I mean, in order, to be in this world and in order to survive in this world and to get into the business world, I mean, you need to become very masculine because otherwise you're wiped out in a second. And that's what has been my challenge. It's always been very difficult for me to, to be in this world because of this, because the sensitivity, the, the vulnerability, the intuition, the, the visioning, the dreaming, I mean, has no place. It's so, you know, it's something that is so soft. It's something that needs to be protected. It's something that needs to be respected. It's something that needs to expand and uh, that needs time. To be in the business world is to do, 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 rush, 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 produce, produce, produce. It's totally against this. So women were forced to, to, to let go of their feminine side. And of course, it's reflected in fashion. You, in the past, from what I understand in research, worked with stores, the type of stores with a more affluent customer base, perhaps. But now you've decided to move into the interactive environment to be able to sell these online. I'm assuming beyond all of the typical benefits of greater reach, being able to sell across the world, are there any other benefits that you see by being able to sell online in terms of selling the story that you wouldn't be able to necessarily do if these coats were just sitting on a point of sale in a, in a shop where you don't have the ability to sell that story with it. Is that why the online environment will allow you to verbalize, to narrate that story more behind your clothing? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. I don't want any middle person to come between me and my customer. I want it to be an exchange from the heart. And also by taking the middleman out of the story, I can, I, you know, I can provide my offering to a, an affordable price. I think the middleman has always been the problem and so history and created a lot of corruption and distortion. I am so glad to get out of this system and to really walk my talk because that's what I always wanted to do. I got influenced and started to go into the system of trade shows and selling to boutiques. It's been so, I would say, painful because the buyers don't care about the story. Every code comes with a booklet that explains the story uh, that, go, you know, that inspired this creation. Can you, for our listeners' benefit, just give us a very brief overview of that story that they receive in this booklet that you say you provide with every garment? Mm -hmm. Because that appears to be very different 
to anything else out there that I've certainly seen. But then who am I? I never step into a store, but I'm fairly <laughs> aware of garment lines and what they come with. I gave a name to this line of coat. And they are called the Despozzini. It's a word that has been lost in history and not that many people know about it. And I'm a mystic. I'm a mystic at heart. And I needed to go back so human history to understand. I had this big question is why? Why all of that? Why all this darkness in the world? Why all this injustice? And the why, you know, of, of religion and everything. So I use my, my journey to create. I mean, everything I do is basically inspired from my spiritual journey. And the Despodini uh, word comes from a Latin word that means from the master, of the master. And it was actually the name used to describe the family of Jesus, the descendants of Jesus. I mean, the uncle, the aunts, the, you know, the cousin, everybody. And when Jesus was crucified, the family basically got really quickly wiped out. And for me, because I want to take it out of religion, it's more symbolic to this lineage that grew through history from the beginning that is beyond religion, because religion is, has been created by us, that where this, this lineage of priest king and priestesses that were responsible to to hold the consciousness, to keep the higher consciousness and anchor it in, in this world. And it was passed from generation and generation. And, uh, you know, it was not about a king. It was about the priest king. It was about being in service to the people. So I wanted to use his name and I explain in the booklet, I created this little mythology, little story, taking it out of the religious Meaning, I mean, what we, you know, we attach everything to religion nowadays. So taking it off more into a, a fairy tale, mystical, you know, taking the mystical meaning that we are the Despodinis, we are the one that carry the sparks. We are here to remember and reclaim our divinity, and we are all sovereign, and we are all king and queens of our own queendom. Our purpose here right now is to reclaim our consciousness, our sovereignty, our divinity, that we are gods and goddesses, and that it is time to acknowledge each other as so as gods and goddesses, and that we are, we, we are the embodiment of source, and we are all in the branches of these trees and all of us, we are the tribes we are and each tribes of the world is a branch of this tree. So there is no, you know, beyond religion, we are all one, you know, beyond countries and cultures. We are all the same. That, for me, an Englishman, sounded very dreamy and very attractive, I suppose. If I was walking into a store, whether or not uh, I would... <laughs> look um, right in these coats. I don't know. Maybe you'll have a perspective on that. What about your customers who have bought these garments? What is the feedback that you receive from them? They love it. I have to say every time I do those shows, you know, when I can interact with the customer, they're, you know, they're the one that don't get it and there's the one that get it. And when they get it, they're just in totally in love. 
they are so inspired and thankful and that for me is just you know, the biggest gift, you know, to see how they resonate and receive it. It's either you understand it or you don't. It's either you resonate with it or you don't. And everybody can relate to it differently. I mean, nobody really read the booklet at first. People take the booklet with them at home, you know, when they buy the coat. And, uh, and then I get some feedback, you know, sometimes after. And I have people saying, well, they keep it next to their bed and they constantly go back to it and they love it and that makes me very happy because that was the purpose of it. Uh, inside the code there is a little message that says the grail is in you and people love those details. I have to say they, they love the fact that is unique and there is so much details put in it and you know this is this is the cloak this is a code that you know you you will keep forever in your wardrobe this is not about trend and just wearing it for a season and then throwing it away. You know, the pieces I create, I mean, I, I want people to to create an emotional connection with it and just like for them to keep them and, and remember them, remember the stories, the moment they were wearing them. I mean, this is how I relate to my clothes. I still wear clothes that I was wearing when I was a teenager and I can't let them go because they have, they have, there are so many stories attached to it. So as I look at the images on your website, you have different coats for different occasions and different colors and different types of fabrics. And then you have your jewelry line. What you are saying is that they're not necessarily an everyday item, but they are nevertheless timeless in the way that you designed them so that you will always be able to come back to these garments in years to come and, and not feel restricted because they were part of a fad or a, a fashion paradigm that now could have been lost many years ago because it was part of an agenda. Yes, totally. They're timeless. I mean, and you know, you, 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 People can do whatever they want with it. I mean, I would wear it every day if I want. You know, you can go to the store and, and wear it. It's about you. It's about, you know, what you feel in a moment. For me, style is not a trend. Style is the path. You know, it's about discovering who we are and, and our style. And we are all an individual spark. We all perceive the world differently, and that's what is great. And it's about expressing ourselves. So it's beyond fashion. It's, it's definitely timeless. You had talked to me before the program and shared in our notes that, as with anything in life, we all make many mistakes and we have to jump many hurdles to find the right balance in what we do. And I certainly... I'm aware of that in my work. Moving forward, what is it that you've learned about the business aspect of this that you can build upon now? Do you find yourself having to become a business person or because of the nature of what you're selling, do you need to keep it in your mind mystical and appointed to the betterment of people and their mindsets and their hearts? Would you rather uh, market it and sell it that way rather than becoming 
a master at business in doing so? I will never become a master at business because to tell you the truth, I don't like it. If I could offer my quote, I would do it. I mean, in a second. Well, I'll take 10 then. Oh, you're saying you'll offer them free? I mean, if I could, honestly, I would, you know. <laughs> and I would trade. I think, you know, that we need to go back to trading. And I would love that because there is so much heart into doing this. There is a meeting between people that with business, you know, is destroyed. This is why I decide to just offer my my design online or through little gathering or festivals or home parties because I want to take the business, business, the cold business aspect out of it. And I'm not very, I'm not interested about it. I'm a very simple person. I don't need a lot in life to be happy. I'm happy just being. So I don't need a lot of possession. I don't need a lot of money. I mean, if, you know, I and by making a lot of money with my offering, I want to do things with my money. I mean, I want to help women in the world, you know, become empowered. And my dream would be to develop little ateliers everywhere in the world and help women preserve the savoir-faire, you know, the way of doing less, the, the waving of South America. Uh, this is my dream, you know, I'm here to experience human connection and express and create. Let me ask you, I was interested by a previous statement you made, almost suggesting that the world is going to become one more, and this is not your words, this would be my word, one more of frugality. But in your terms, you were talking about more about barter. Do you see a world in the future? Do you see a world where you will be able to barter your clothes for other people's gifts? Yes, Yes, and I consciously working to, to, to visualize and intend this world because that the way we will make it happen, I am dreaming it and I want to bring it to me because this is what I want. This is the world I want to live in. We need to understand that we have this power. We are realizing it now. I mean, it's even, you know, the power of intention. You know, we are co-creator of our reality. And there is more and more people that want to live in this world of bartering, of frugality. This is what is meant to be. I know that it's going to take a time. You know, we are going to transition to it. But it depends on us to, to want it. It depends on us to, to go toward this. And we have so many opportunities right now to, to, to bring it forward. I mean, the economy is, you know, on the verge of collapsing. It is clear. And uh, there is already so many people that, that are bartering. I mean, that have no other choice than bartering, basically. You know, their tomatoes for, you know, their uh, plumber skills. And, and I think this is what is great. It's amazing. I mean, we can take what was working in the past and we can take what is still working and that we want to keep on our time now, the technology, I mean, the laundry machine, you know, the dishwasher, all of this, we can, we can still keep this and we can bring, you know, the bus together and we can, we have all the tools right now to create a perfect world. But it depends on us to stand up. Uh, you're frightening me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk uh, uh, as we close uh, towards the end of the program uh, about your efforts in bringing these lines onto the web. What can we expect 
from websites that you are designing and building now, and, and I'm assuming that this is uh, being precipitated by a, a new will to move forward with your with your business, with your designs. It's a it's a, a new avenue, a new chapter. What can people expect when they visit uh, your websites now? To be inspired, to travel within, to resonate or don't resonate, to be triggered, to write, to discover, to reclaim their personal mythology because we all have a personal mythology. Yes, to, I mean, this is what I intend for them to be, you know, to be triggered, to be excited, to be, to want, to be willing to be willing to, to reopen all these sides of themselves and to, to play. You had mentioned to me earlier that you were going to supplement the products online with that story. Is that, and that seems like an incredible marketing tool in itself, how can people expect uh, to, to read these stories and correlate them or correspond them to the clothing that you sell. Is it almost that you're providing that story so that they can themselves become immersed while they wear these clothes, at least in a short period of time when they do, in that special world, in another time, in a a century perhaps before where they can truly uh, become inspired for a short while? The stories are waved in the fabric. This is magic. I mean, women, we are magic. We used to be witches, so we need to reclaim that. And this is what I do. I wave, I wave the stories inside the design. So people feel it when they wear the clothes. And, you know, so many have been telling me this. So people will, you know, I know, will take those stories with them and they will make them their own. They will reclaim, they will remember, you know, who they are. They will, you know, it's like, it's like a piece on your altar. It's, you know, you go back to your altar because just looking at, at a statue, it connects you to the side of you that wants to meditate or that, you know, I mean, that is peaceful. So it's the same when you wear the clothes or where you open your wardrobe and you see it, it's just automatically triggers something in you because this is the way, you know, we work. It's the, it's the field, it's the quantum field. We need to understand that everything is infused with our energy. I'm terribly, as you know, British. Do you think that, that I would be well suited to these clothes? Yeah, I think you would look good in a man coat. <laughs> <laughs> How are you planning ahead now? Clearly, we don't have a terribly strong economy, but we nevertheless still want to inspire people in moving forwards and upwards and making the best of some fairly quiet times that we live in today. How do you intend to go forwards now and, and what are your, your hopes for the future for Lady Muse? Well, first of all, people need to just understand and realize that, you know, we need to really choose where we're putting our money into. Okay, I mean, until now, I mean, especially in America, it's been consume, 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 you know. Nobody really cared where the product cared, where the product were coming from, if it was made in China by children or, I mean, we are responsible, you know, we are so responsible for the world we live in and the chaos we are living in. So we need to make conscious choices. 
So, you know, it depends on people. Is this quote really resonate with you? Is it something you want to gift yourself with? Is this, do you love yourself enough to just like get this piece for yourself? Because it helps you, you know, it, it brings something to you. Or do you still want to just buy, buy, buy and so, so, so and, and stay a victim of fashion? I mean, you know, I mean, people have the choice and I'm just offering another choice here. Where can they visit you online to take a look at, at these lines? So there is two websites. There is ladymuse.com, uh, where I'm expressing the story of Lady Muse. And there is ladymuseboutique.com, where I have all the products for sale. And I also have a blog that is called The Lady Muse Experience, where I will share my inspirations and all the beautiful things I find out there on the web or in this world that I feel that are important to share. And I'm assuming that your line of jackets and clothes are equally balanced by your jewellery at these websites as well? Yes, and I have much more offerings that are going to come up. I have this beautiful, eco-friendly spring line that I'm going to bring very soon. So there is much more to come. What would you uh, like to say to people that have listened today in encouraging them to look at your line of clothes and jewellery? May you become inspired by who you truly are. Namaste. Matilda Rosset, it has been a great pleasure joining you here at the studio today. I do appreciate your time and I do wish you so well for your Lady Muse line in the future. Thank you. And to our listeners today, I hope that you have enjoyed this program as much as I have. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at In Discussion at davidgibbons.org. And just as a reminder today, our new channel, Dimensions, will be starting on November the 1st. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com.